This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Judy Liebrach, and this is Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. AM 740, Zoomer Radio. The best of the best. And that fabulous sting was created by my next guest, who I'm going to tell you all about. Anyone who has seen the fun film, the popular musical comedy Pitch Perfect, knows there is something instantly feel good about a group of talented singers who sing without instrumental accompaniment. Imagine beyond gifted singers using their voices to emulate instruments. Think harmonies. Think vocal percussion. Think everything from pop to jazz to original music and their voices alone make it all happen musically. Enter the award-winning Canadian a cappella group Countermeasure, who constantly reinvent and reimagine their sound, creating art and providing entertainment that will bring you to your feet every time. Led by award-winning composer, arranger Aaron Jensen, and featuring 13 of Canada's top harmony singers, their genre-defying contemporary sound takes a cappella truly to the next level. Add to that, a diverse and exciting repertoire that allows the group to headline international choral concerts, play the main stage at jazz festivals, or coax club goers onto the dance floor as they incorporate innovative live looping, instrument imitation, and vocal percussion. Aaron Jensen and one of their singers, Haley Preziosi, are here today to tell you all about what makes Countermeasure Tick. Canada's leading a cappella group, so joyful, so creative, and so infectious, it's no surprise that they've earned standing ovations and critical acclaim all over the world. They have a new album out, their third, called Guest Sessions, and we will hear all about it today and what makes them wow audiences all over the world, whether they're performing at high-profile jazz festivals, concert series, galas, on TV, or wowing audiences on two U.S. and several Canadian tours and sold-out theatres all across, and get this, the U.S., Canada, Italy, Scotland, Japan, and the U.K. They performed the opening concert at the world-renowned Vocalmente Festival in Italy. The videos for their original songs, Life is Fine and Box in the Field, from their second album, Made to Measure, now have nearly 500,000 YouTube views. Countermeasure has recorded with Grammy and Juno award-winning artists, including Randy Brecker, Natalie McMaster, Ron Sexsmith, Alan Doyle, Evelyn Glennie and the Bare Naked Ladies, and they've also performed alongside the likes of Corey Hart, Alan Frew, the Swingle Sisters, and Naturally Seven. Countermeasure's albums have been recognized with awards and nominations by the International Kara Awards for Best Album and Best Song, the John Lennon Songwriting Competition for Best Jazz Song, and the Independent Music Awards Best Acapella Song. Countermeasure's original song, this got me more than anything, and that's Taken at Home. All the voices are from their second album, Made to Measure, and this song was actually covered by the Jazza Gals on CBC Television's Emmy Award-winning hit TV series Shit's Creek and you all know that's like my favorite show on the planet but first let me tell you a little more about one of the creative geniuses behind this whole group and that's the talented Aaron Jensen 
Countermeasure artistic director Aaron Jensen is also an internationally published composer, arranger, producer, and performer. His work has been performed by Juno Grammy award-winning artists like Mariah Carey, Bobby McFerrin, Ron Sexsmith, as I just mentioned. Aaron acted as musical director, arranger, orchestrator, and composer for the nine-time Emmy award-winning Schitt's Creek. Wow. His musical services have been called on by the likes of Andrea Bocelli, Barack and Michelle Obama, Bob Ezrin, and Kevin Hearn. Jensen's also the artist-in-residence of Eshalom Synagogue and associate composer of the CMC and the artistic director emeritus of Sing, the Toronto Vocal Arts Festival. What a resume, but I had to say it because it's, it's truly impressive. And Haley Preziosi is a singer who has been with Countermeasure for 10 years now, a graduate of Western University with a double major in classical voice and popular music studies. She has studied with soprano Gwendolyn Little. She's also worked with acclaimed Toronto vocal coaches Elaine Overholt and Mika Barnes. Haley has spent a lifetime singing and composing original music. And when she's not composing, she can be found teaching online lessons from her home studio www.voicebyhaley.com. She believes the voice is one of the most powerfully expressive tools we possess and is inspired to help each singer find their voice. But one of her favorite credits by far is being a part of the Toronto-based acclaimed a cappella group that she truly loves. And that is Countermeasure. Haley and Aaron, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Judy. Happy to be here. So great to have you both. I'm going to start off with you, Erin. First of all, welcome and congratulations on your newest album, Guest Sessions. But I'd love to go back and really because this insanely talented group is partly your brainchild, I'd love to know what inspired you to create Countermeasure and what really distinguishes you from all the other a cappella groups out there? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, Countermeasure has been around for 10 years now. Many of the singers of the group who have been singing together for 10 years um, sang together back in university, sang in, uh, at U of T or at York University in their own collegiate a cappella groups. And they were reaching the age where they were graduating out and sort of looking for a new a cappella family. And so the general manager of Countermeasure, J.M. Erlinson, and his wife, Ilana Steingart, and they knew me through the a cappella community. At that time, I was touring around with a quartet called Cadence, and they knew of me through that. They reached out, asked if I'd be interested in joining their team in being the conductor and musical director of Countermeasure. Um, alongside my now wife, uh, Tara Park, the four of us make up the exec of this group. But in the beginning, Countermeasure really started off as as a social thing. It was, uh, Ilana describes it as a, a hobby that's gone rogue. <laughs> and so, you know, we, you know, we rehearsed once a week and we had, uh, no ambitions to be touring or to be recording. And then we just, uh, one thing led to another. We absolutely loved the time that we spent together. And, uh, I found that the group were real, uh, gluttons for punishment in the sense of <laughs> any song that I brought forward, no matter how challenging or strange or eclectic or whatever else, they just ate it all up. And so I really had a blank canvas to play, to play with, with this group, which is really special. And so over the years, we, as you mentioned, we've been touring around the world. We've just finished our third album. We had the chance to learn from and perform with some really exceptional groups over the years and artists over the years. And yeah, it's just been every day is a gift. And we're just so happy to be, uh, 
still together after 10 years. And that, that in and of itself feels like a, a pretty major accomplishment. Absolutely, it is indeed. In all of your group's previous albums, Made to Measure and 14 Characters, the common denominator seems to be that the singers all create their own instrumentation. Can you first elaborate exactly on how this all works for our listeners who may not understand how to use your voice to actually create instruments and sound other than just singing? Yeah, well, so Countermeasure definitely is, is from the beginning has been interested in experimentation and the use of the voice in maybe some less typical ways. When I'm writing an arrangement, I'm not necessarily thinking of voices functionally. There are times, like if you're imagining a song where people are singing lyrics, for example, that that's how I would think of a, a voice as a voice. And then there are other times where we're filling different roles that would traditionally be taken up by instrumentalists in a band, like like the bass and the percussion and the auxiliary instruments that ordinarily fill up uh, an instrumental group. And I delegate that out through the group, and we we fill both functions at once, which makes touring with a with this ensemble pretty uh, uh, compact. Our the, the gear that we travel with is a lot less than if we were traveling with drum kits and all of our instruments and so on. But it also means that we can explore sort of any genre of music, whether we are trying to imitate or sort of sound more in a, a jazz space or whether we are, we can be absolutely straight up choral or we can pull on different sort of pop sensibilities and the like. And it, it gives us a certain versatility as well. I think that's what's so cool about your group is this eclectic repertoire that you have and this awesome sound that really traverses all genres, allowing your group to really perform everywhere and anywhere. You incorporate such uh, um, incredibly cool things like, and I want you to maybe describe this for our audience, but innovative live looping, instrument imitation, and vocal percussion. And I want to start with live looping. What is that exactly? Uh, Well, I mean, it is, if you imagine... Uh, a box that sits in the back of the stage. Everything that we do that we perform live is performed and created uh, absolutely live for our audiences. But what a looper allows you to do is, particularly we use this for our, our vocal percussion, if you lay down a layer, so let's say, for example, JM um, on the song London Bells is a perfect example. He will press one of the buttons and then create the sound of, a, of an egg shaker. And then that saves this little this little strip of audio, and then it just repeats that over and over. And then he can press the next button down the line and add an additional layer, whether that is kick drums or snares or whatever else. And then layer by layer, he can create this huge sound of all of these different percussion uh, instruments layered on top of each other. And it's uh, it gives the live performance a bit of a an organic the heartbeat of that, if you hear the same sample over and over and over, even though it is live performed, hmm. that repetition gives almost a, a studio quality to the to the live performance as well, which is has been a lot of fun to experiment with. Wow. That is fascinating stuff. Haley, what's it been like being a singer in Countermeasure? How would you describe approaching a song in this very unique way? Oh man, uh, God, great question. And, and that's really evolved over the years. It starts with the music that we get sent and it's your job to sort of learn your part in time for the next rehearsal and sort of at least know what your notes are, sort of what your rhythm is. Um, are you the egg shaker? What bars are you the egg shaker? When are you the violin? When is it your time to, to sing the, the melody, the lead notes? And when is it your time to be a high background harmony? And, and, you know, you got to sort of, 
And we, we, we experiment with this in rehearsal, but as you can imagine, it's hard to say what any one song is like, cause they are all so different. And that's, I think part of the fascination that, that keeps us together for so long. We just keep finding new fascinating <laughs> soundscapes and things that we can do with our voices. That's so cool. Erin, there, there's many parts to a song. For example, I know that JM is the vocal percussionist. What does a vocal percussionist do exactly? Um, you could think of him as the heartbeat of the group. He's also an arranger in, in his own right. I, while I tend to score out all of the parts uh, for any, from one song to the next, I tend to leave a bit of space for JM to experiment and to draw upon his own sensibilities and aesthetics when it comes to the drum parts. Whether he is doing something with a loop pedal or whether or not he's performing something live, a lot of the sense of groove and the rhythmic foundation comes from the bottom up from JM. Hmm, so cool. Haley, I know you sing the top soprano line. What is your experience overall in creating music with Countermeasure and 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 being a soprano in the group? How fun is that? Oh, super fun. It's uh I would say the biggest challenge for me um is is that oftentimes I'll be like a bling or a plung or something something like that and sort of like that's never the part you want to hear the most. <laughs> you know, and so so it's for me it's really like okay, how far away do I have to pull my mic to do this pling and and getting into the, the right pitch because you're live folks and there's no <laughs> I don't have the looper like JM so I can't redo it. Um uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, that's cool. It's so cool. You know, it, it's just it's so flavorful like it's so um I, I don't know, there's something very uh, rich and evocative about this whole group that you have that you can imagine like and I just I can't wait to see you guys live when this crazy COVID is over but um Erin in the group's latest album guest sessions you had an entirely new trajectory can you describe the inspiration behind this latest album yeah that's we this this latest album guest sessions is a bit of a concept album so while our first two albums are vocals only we thought that it would be really special to bring in a single solo guest instrumentalist for each song. And above and beyond that, uh, because I wrote all of the pieces for this album, I really did a deep dive into the sound of each artist and their skill sets and their aesthetics and listened to as much of their discography as I could and tried to tailor make a piece that married their, their instrument and all of their capabilities on top of the possibilities that present themselves with a, a vocal-only group, with an acapella group. And so from one track to the next, there are sort of haunting cinematic songs, and then there's sort of up-tempo Django Reinhardt jazz pieces and some things that fit more in the, the pop soul space. And Tunu did it with Natalie, Ma- Natalie McMaster, which sounds a lot more like a folk kitchen party, a maritime tune. And so it's just been such a pleasure and such an opportunity for us to learn, to really engage with some of, without exaggeration, just the absolute top players in their field. There's several Grammy and Juno award winners and uh, similar to the same trajectory as you ask about how the group got started and our, you know, where, where our heads were at that time. When we first started working on this project, we would have had no inclination that we'd be working with such storied names, such such acclaimed artists. But um, I guess it just goes to show that there's no harm in asking. <laughs> there's no harm in <laughs> asking the question. And the worst that somebody can do is say no. And, and really what's just happened is that with each song that we recorded, 
we had a proof of concept. We had this, this piece of music that we were very happy with that, that we were then able to share with potential artists to, to say, here's this cool thing that we're doing and we love your music and it would be so special if we could work with you in this project. And we were just blown away by the, the success rate of artists who said yes. Like, I have to say, when it comes to, you know, when I, when I was writing a song and I wanted to have a trumpet player, for example, Randy, Randy Brecker was my first call. He wasn't, he was nowhere lower on the list. Natalie McMaster was my first call. Evelyn Glennie was my first call. And the fact that they, that they agreed to join us on this weird, uh, little journey of ours is, <laughs> is really quite, quite special. So. It's so it's so fantastic, and and uh, and I mean, some of these names are are just incredible. Some some of these collaborators that that you've had on this album, and one of the ones that I was the most fascinated by was the eighty eight year old <laughs> band leader of the Preservation Jazz Hall All Star Charles Charlie Charles Gabriel, who has worked, of course, with Ella Fitzgerald and Lionel Hampton and Aretha Franklin. And the best part is the story behind the song "Obvious Pair." And your experience with your wife, Tara, in New Orleans, as you met the great Charlie Gabriel, the fourth generation New Orleans jazz musician who was a member of Aretha Franklin's orchestra back in the 70s. Like, wow. Oh, my goodness. So we're actually going to go to a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'd love you to tell me that whole story. And we're going to also hear the track Obvious Pair and hear all about the incredible guest artist back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Find Your Bliss on Zuma Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. We are joined by Countermeasure Artistic Director Aaron Jensen and Countermeasure Member and Vocalist Haley Preziosi. And right before the break, we were talking about one of your dreams, Aaron, which was been to work with this sweet man and jazz great, Charlie Gabriel. And as a lifetime lover of jazz, what was it like to make music with Charlie Gabriel? And can you tell us, about this whole experience that happened when you went to New Orleans with your wife, Tara. And I mean, it just, it, I was on the edge of my seat. As I, <laughs> so we'd love, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, well, sure. So I had been to New Orleans a few times before and had completely fallen in love with the city and the scene. And so when we were collecting artists for the guest sessions project, it was really important to me that we engage with this vibrant, vibrant community. And who better than the band leader of the Preservation Jazz Hall? Charlie Gabriel, I, I had seen play before. He's just such a charismatic, energetic, lovable fellow. When he signed on, uh, we knew that we were in for something special. We uh, contacted his agent in advance. We said, 
we'll come to you, we'll record in your, in your studio of choice. He was good enough to set aside tickets for us at Preservation Hall, which usually has a, a waiting list of three weeks or something, which was excellent. So Tara and I show up, we, we land, we sort of splash some water in our face, grab, grab a bite to eat. And then somehow we mix up the venues. There's, I think that the, the, the popularity of Preservation Hall must have led to other venues giving themselves similar names in, similar, <laughs> in a similar neighborhood. And so Tara and I were just sitting in what we can, thought was Preservation Hall, having a drink and waiting for Charlie and his band to come on. And then the minutes pass and we're getting closer to the appointed hour and no sign of him. And so we call over the, the server and ask like, when is, when's Charlie and the band coming up? And she has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, no. And it dawns on us that we are in the wrong place. And so we like shoot back our drinks. I had like an entire pint of beer in front of me. I should have just left it, but I shot that back, paid for the bill, found out the preservation hall was just up the street. And of course, as soon as we see it, we see there's this lineup way down the way down the street of people who are waiting in to get rush tickets who are essentially being turned away at the door because it's absolutely packed. And so we run to the front of the line, like feeling like so much egg on our face, talk to the person at the door and say like, we, we are, we're special guests of the band leader. Uh, is there any way we could get in? We're already five minutes late for the show. We find out that they're actually holding the show for us. And so they, they let us in. We come into this room. And if you've never been to Preservation Hall, I mean, they, they've been going for decades, decades and decades. And so it's this very unassuming room. There's people sitting on the floor. There's people standing at the back and off to the side. There's this empty throne, essentially, like this empty two-seater wooden love seat that everybody's kind of like looking out through the corner of their eye of like, what's going on with this empty seat while we're all packed in? And so the only way for us to access our seats is to sort of sneak in front of all of the audience as they watch us go by. And the second that we sit down, the MC calls in the Preservation Hall band and they come on out. They perform their set. It's absolutely magic. We're just loving, loving every second of it. After the concert, we wait in line. We shake hands with Charlie. When he finds out who we are, he pulls us backstage and insists on introducing us to the band and he's telling us stories and like he's even interrupting himself with like <laughs> he'll be in the middle of a story and then be like oh, that reminds me of a song and we'll get behind the piano and he'll like oh, start singing amazing. a song and singing oh. us a little tune and then oh, back wow. to that and then the MC is is you know trying to get his attention because the next show is about to start and he's just busy gabbing and so finally he waves to her that all right all right we'll we'll get back to it but he insists that we sit in for the second show as well but his agent hadn't set aside tickets for us and so this time every seat is filled but he will not take no for an answer and so he finds two like chairs way off in a back room and the only literally the only space in the venue for it for us is up in the band pit with the band so it's like to my left is the drummer and to my right is the trombone player and so they're busy playing and like you could not be more in the action than that and oh. the funniest thing that tara commented on is that because charlie's the band leader they have this brilliant way of communicating 
who is going to be taking the next solo. And so like Charlie would be in the middle of a line and then he'll look over and kind of nod at the bass player and then the bass player will do a solo and that sort of thing. But because we were up there with the band, <laughs> every time he'd look at the trombonist or at the clarinet player, it looked like he was looking at us to indicate like, take it away. <laughs> and like, you know, and, uh, you know, full, full marks for Tara for not like, you know, let it, letting her enthusiasm get the better of her to like stand up and do a little dance solo or whatever else. Could have only but, added positive things oh, to that, I imagine. Totally, totally. <laughs> and so we were just up there for the second set. We went backstage with him again. We watched, watched through a third set with him. Like he, he, 88 years old, but he would just not stop. He was just so full of energy, so full of positive energy. And he uh, was in fine form the next day. And we just really hit it off. We've been texting back and forth with him and his wife. They're like sending pictures of their kids and, you know, when... That's so cool. That's so cool. You know what I love in the story also in the video, the way when he asked you to come to the second and the third show, uh, one of you, I think Tara said, but we don't have any tickets. And he laughed like, you, know, you don't need yeah, tickets. Sure. Your buddy now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Here, just take this trombone solo. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so fabulous. Can you set up the song Obvious Pair for us? Because we're going to play it uh, for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So it was important to me in this song to try to write a, a vintage sounding old jazz tune in the style of the old standards. When I'm writing originals, I'm not just writing with the instrumentalist in line in mind. I'm also writing with the singer in mind. And in this case, uh, I knew that I was going to be writing this song for my wife, Tara. There's a different sort of level of pressure when you're putting words in the mouth of your wife and particularly when it's a love song. So, but this, so even though in the track, Tara sings this with Charlie very much, very thinly veiled. This is a song about she and I and our relationship and our dynamic. And it was just such a sweet thing to see her performing this opposite Charlie, because I've always considered myself to be a bit of a, an old soul or an old man myself since I was a little kid, basically. And so it just seems somehow appropriate seeing the two of them have all, you know, this joyous experience together. So. Isn't that incredible? I'm so excited to, uh, to have our listeners have a listen right now to Obvious Pair. The things we do for fun. There's gotta be at least one That overlaps between us But an evening out can mean us Weighing every option under the sun You call the line in a crowd I find people just a little too loud And when it comes to the game of Someone's name, love, your neck would make an elephant proud. <laughs> yeah, you got a flair in your manner and dress that I'm more or less, less a fair. But in all the ways that count, we're an obvious pair. Better mind and mind and try. But if you swallow the fact that opposites attract, it stands the reason why I'm always stuck by your side. 
you think gambling's a sin? I'm always first in line to say, deal me in. Cause in life's game of poker, I'm the low and you're the joker. And you play for the drill, not the win. That's why I'd give it all for a seat at the table. You're content to play solitaire <laughs> But in all the ways that count We're an obvious pair Oh my god, I just love that That was fantastic <laughs> it, it really, it's interesting It makes me feel like we're in a New Orleans nightclub A smoky oh, nightclub yeah. Listening to live music That's just gorgeous Wow Thank you Love that. Congratulations. Oh my God, that's, that's fantastic. Charlie was playing the clarinet in that piece, right? That's right. Oh, awesome. That, wow. I don't think I've ever heard a play that amazingly well <laughs> before ever. Uh, I can imagine that COVID has obviously affected all of you with regards to touring and traveling the world. Aaron, how has this affected your rehearsal process and how are you creatively rehearsing and moving forward in the midst of the pandemic? So as is the case with so many different groups, uh, we've had gigs canceled. We were slated to perform at the 2020 Olympics before the Olympics were canceled. We had tours that were lined up and we've been, uh, like everybody else, we've been quarantined. We're, we're at home. Um, we were, we stopped rehearsing for, for several months. And I can tell you for a group that has been together for 10 years, that has been such a, a constant in our lives. And so to suddenly turn the tap off, it really shines a light on the things that, that feed you, that feed your spirit, that, that you require. And from a musical standpoint, from a social standpoint, and when it became clear that this COVID thing wasn't just going to blow over in the space of a couple of weeks or a few weeks, um, we, decided to to kickstart rehearsals again after a fairly lengthy break. And we set things up through Zoom or I sent through rehearsal tracks. And there's obviously there's no substitute for being together, but I think that it has buoyed our spirits. It has been it has been nice to see the friendly faces of the people that you love and to to feel like you were still part of something and contributing to something that's bigger than yourself. That's so great. I was going to ask you, Haley, now that you're back to at least these Zoom rehearsals and these, you know, at least you're getting to see each other. How has that been for you? So vital. <laughs> uh, I can't even say how vital, uh, you know, for, as Aaron mentioned, we did take a lengthy break. Um, and, and that doesn't, didn't mean we were cut off from each other. You know, we still had our ways of, of being in touch when we needed to, but it just, it just feels like a sigh of relief to see the people you're close to, you know, especially during this time where everyone is so isolated and it's, it's, it's really important to make that a priority. So I, it's, it's, it's been necessary on my heart. Absolutely. That's so great. Erin, I understand that you were involved in with Jazz Gals on Schitt's Creek, which is a series everyone who knows me knows that I'm utterly obsessed with. And I know, Erin, that you worked as the music director on Schitt's Creek, not only music directing, but actually playing for the Jazz Gals. What an awesome gig is that? Can you describe how this all happened and what it was like? Yeah, so it ended up being the last four seasons that I was called in as the musical director. I so as as you mentioned, there is a community choir called the Jazz Gals on Schitt's Creek, and so initially I was called in to write a 
a vocal arrangement, to rehearse with the cast, to be on set with them, to sort of conduct for them um, off camera. And then that just started this long-standing relationship. So over the years that followed, I went on to... I feel like spoilers are okay now. The, the show's been out for a little <laughs> while, but there's a, a thread in the, the story, I think, in season four, where they put on a production of Cabaret. And so within that, I did all of the orchestrations and I sourced all of the band and we rehearsed together and we recorded with, with them in studio in advance. Um, as you mentioned earlier in the interview, um, they actually do a cover of a countermeasure song, which was a real thrill. <laughs> um, and then finally, this um, maybe I won't spoil this, but there's a music plays a very important role in the final episode yes. of the of the series. Yes. And so there's two songs that I arranged and mm. worked with the group for that. And then when I thought everything was over and done with, I got a call out of the blue from Dan asking, or quite excitedly telling me that this opportunity had presented itself that Barack and Michelle Obama's class of 2020 event was wow. had contacted them and they were going to have the opportunity to sing a song with Mariah Carey and would I like to get involved with that? And of course, there's only one answer to that oh. question. So. <laughs> no, I'm busy. I'm yeah. busy that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is truly unbelievable. If I say a couple of names, can you just give me a few words about what it was like working with sure. them? Catherine O'Hara, who of course plays Mara. Okay, Catherine O'Hara, I have to say, she... I have such a soft spot for her. Like of all of the characters, uh, I feel like you see elements of the true personality shining through in their performance, except Catherine, for, for whatever reason, I was expecting her to be, you know, she's such a big personality on stage. I think that she was the wild card for me, but she is such a warm hearted, lovely woman. We've actually just like emailed back and forth over the, the, these past months and, keeping each other up to date on various goings on. And I, I love Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> oh, so awesome. And, and Jennifer Robertson, who plays Jocelyn, you must've done a lot with her because she sort of runs the Jazz of Gals, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was an absolute riot to work with. She's a, she's, she didn't have enough confidence in her, she's the conductor on set, but she's maybe the one who feels the least confident with things like counting. So if you ever look, see her with sort of a deer in the headlights look as she's doing this, she's probably <laughs> looking at me off screen <laughs> doing this for her so that she's doing it along with the group and that sort of thing. But oh, she, was, she was wonderful. That's I, I, so cool. Now, Noah Reed and his uh, album Gemini and, and all the stuff that he's been doing since then, I mean, it, he was I'm, look, I, and I'm not going to give away also, uh, you know, season six, and, yeah, but yeah. there's stuff in there that, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. So what was it like working with Noah Reed? He's very chill guy, very, very easy to get along with. Actually, I remember after one, one day of shooting, I was walking away and I heard a honk and he just saw me walking down the street and asked me if I needed a lift and he drove me home just as a nice thing to do. <laughs> But oh. so we had a little chance to to get to know each other a little bit more on that on that drive. But very talented guy, obviously very talented guy, and and a real salt of the earth fellow as well. And what about the genius behind it all, who I am so crazy about? And of course, I'm speaking about Dan Levy. I mean, Eugene Levy, of course, as well is great. He wasn't mm -hmm. he wasn't involved in the Jazz Gals, but Dan Levy. What uh, was your relationship with him like, and uh, learning from him and Wow, what an honor to work with him. Yeah, well, for both of them, actually, like seeing the father-son dynamic, 
both on screen and off screen was very special. Uh, Dan, actually, both of them had their seemed to have their fingers in uh, in in all of the pies at the same time. Like had a sense of all of the different cogs that were inter like all of the people and how they interacted with each other and and it was also really special just to see the the pride and to see the fact that watching Eugene off screen just sort of like sitting in the background and like maybe offering his two cents here and there but like just sort of seeing his his son spread his wings and and create this really special thing and it was it was it was great and and we had a lot of brainstorming sessions talking about all the different ways that things could play out and yeah it was great wow Wow, it's incredible, incredible stuff. And I have to get back to Countermeasure because there's another really cool thing that I came across in my research for this show. And that was the video all about Obad that you performed at Art Battle, an event put on Missing Toronto. And and I wanted to ask you, first of all, what an art battle is and what, <laughs> and what that experience was like for, for Countermeasure. Uh, you want to take this, Haley? <laughs> oh, um, you know what? I'll start and then I'll pass it to you. So, sure, um, please. So, for Art Battle, what that is is it's it's a live performance, um, and we're up on stage uh, performing this song Obad, uh, and there's actually visual artists with easels, uh, sort of in the center, um, and what they're doing is they're actually painting artwork that matches what they're hearing. And so for you can imagine for each one of them, they're going to be interpreting it differently based on the music. Um, and the audience gets to watch all this happen. And wow. Gonna, wow. Yeah. And there's, there's an instrument, and I think you played this in the recording after the live performance, but the instrument is called the theremin. And it sounds almost like a fairy-like mythical creature. What exactly is a theremin, which creates such an ethereal sound and works in such a mystical way? Can you describe it? Because I just love that sound. You go, go ahead, Aaron. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, the, the theremin is uh, an instrument unlike any other in that you don't actually touch it. It, it If you imagine, for anybody who's never seen it, uh, a rectangular box that's mounted with one uh, little rod coming out one side and then a loop coming out the other side. The proximity of your hand to the rod on one side and your proximity of your hand to the loop on the other side will affect the volume and the pitch. And it is so sensitive that the difference of, you know, a few millimeters will, will change the note that it is playing. And, and as you correctly point out, it has a very ethereal vocal quality to it. And so in this particular track, and also range, range like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. So in this track, you'll hear this impossible, like extra 14th voice that just soars higher than a human being could ever sing and then drops lower than any human being could <laughs> sing. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's very wow. exciting to work with Camellia Stickney on, on that track. And she is really the foremost theremin player in the world. She's recorded with David Byrne and she's recorded with um, Bella Fleck and all kinds of fantastic players. And um, when theremin puts out new instruments, she is the person that tests it all out for them. And if you look up Theremin on Wikipedia, you'll see her name listed on the, on the page. So, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Let's have a quick listen to a clip from Obad.
and so arresting. Wow, I love that so much. Countermeasure just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Hilly. What are some of the highlights for you? Or do you have a do you have a moment that stands out for you as one of the greatest thrills since being part of this award-winning a cappella group, Countermeasure? To quote my friend Marla in the group, she would say, every year I think there's no way that Countermeasure can get better than this incredible thing that we did. And then every year, somehow we do. <laughs> and that has been the crazy, incredible journey from, you know, just making beautiful music, uh, you know, in, in our small, humble way in the beginning to getting to tour places like Japan and, and sing, you know, in the in the dry moat of a castle in Italy. And um <laughs> a number of the experiences that Aaron has mentioned as well. It's just been a, a continued thrill. That's so incredible. Aaron, is there a moment for you? And I'm sure there's m- many, many epiphanies and moments, and uh, but a highlight that just stands out for you as one of really one of the epiphanies for you in this, in this whole experience. Uh, well, because you used the word epiphany, let me say that, uh, you no, know, I could point at any number of incredible performing opportunities that we've had over the years, but uh for whatever reason, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, at the tail end of our last Japan trip, we arrived at the airport uh, about an hour and a half in advance. <laughs> we were exhausted. I know we've been there for three weeks. And JM, who never wants the party to end, he was like, we've got an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> does somebody want to have one, like squeeze in one last adventure with me? And everybody was tired, but I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do this with you. Let's go to some park that's we can take a bus to what i did and i'm not usually this guy but (laughs) what i did on this particular day was i left my jacket on the bus which had my wallet and my passport in it oh dear (laughs) the reason why this this comes to mind to me is that you know i've i've been in a, a number of bands over the years i've toured with with a handful of different groups but seeing how people respond when the chips are down rather than there being like a response of like, how could you do that? You're so stupid or whatever else. Cause I'm already hating. Or if it's the TTC, moment. well, you can say goodbye forever. You'll never say oh, it again. Oh, totally. Any of these things, <laughs> but just watching everybody in their own way, uh, just orchestrate contacting their transit commission contacting like they had people translating. There's a few Japanese speakers in the group. So like Japanese speakers, talking to people at the airport, trying to negotiate, navigate things. And if you can believe it, through this complex telephone game, we met up across town, down the line, with the bus, got it back, raced back to the airport with one minute to spare. And at this point, everybody like on the plane knew oh, what was going we on. So we walk home without them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we walk in and everybody in the plane is cheering. <laughs> and it, it just felt like such a, an exultant final oh, moment truly. that could have ended very differently. Yes. And I hold that very oh, close to Oh, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing <laughs> that. Haley, you told me, and just, just briefly, because I know we're coming to the end, but yep. oh, there's so much more. I think I have to have, to have you guys on again. Um, <laughs> you told me to count your measures like family and that yes. it's taken on a life of its own. Can you describe what you love about being part of this so much? Uh, well, just because of the nature of what we do and, and how close you become bonded um, by, you know, things like being vulnerable in the studio and spending time touring uh, and things like that. We've just experienced so much of our lives together, right? Uh, we've sung at each other's weddings, uh, funerals of loved ones. We've just been there for the key moments over 10 years. And there's really 
you know, music aside, we're just bonded as human beings. And I think that that really shows through. That's incredible. One of the tracks on your third album, Guest Session, is Hold On. Erin, uh, can you set this up for us and tell us about the guest artist on this track? Yeah, absolutely. This is actually an old uh, an old friend and colleague of mine, Michael Davidson on vibraphone. He's a phenomenal uh, jazzer in the Toronto scene and composer in his own right. And as I mentioned before with Obvious Pair, anytime that I am writing lyrics... Anytime that I'm writing a song with a specific singer in mind, I like to think about the music and talk to the singer about what music really speaks to them and try to find something that sits in their voice. And so this was a a feature for Quinn Charter or Quinn Alexis, I should say. Um, And and I, she loves Erica Badu and she loves Jill Scott and all, all of these types of singers. And so I just steeped myself in their music, tried to get those sounds in my head. And then when it came to the lyric, I was inspired by a conversation that I'd had with Quinn. She is a, a mother of two now. And we, we were there through all of that. She brought, she, she was rehearsing nine months pregnant. She brought a newborn baby to rehearsal two weeks after the birth of Ella. And so like, we've just been around. Ella came on tour with us to Japan when she was, I don't know, six, seven months old, like tiny little kid. And so this was, this song was inspired by a conversation about the desire as a parent to instill the values onto a child that will equip them for life and the challenges that may come up down the line. Just incredible. I'd love to hear it. Let's have a listen to Hold On. I set my mind to a letter And set it backward in time So when I'm young, I'll know better Fantastic. Love that song. That's gorgeous. Thank uh, you. So good. Oh my God. I could hear, listen to the whole album. Erin, <laughs> you're also a musical theater composer. Are you working on a musical right now? I have. I feel like I always have a few pots in the fire. <laughs> uh, the most recent news on that front uh, there's a little mini musical that I wrote that is being produced by a company based out of New York City called Bite Size Broadway that is going to be produced and released in the new year. And yeah, and then I, I think there are three different pieces right now that I'm developing with, with local writers and book writers. Awesome. What is next for Countermeasure? That is the million dollar question. I yeah, mean, I hope that we are, I hope that we're back together in the same room, uh, somewhat soon. We've, we've, Truly. we've got, it's, it's really hard to know what, what the world is going to look, look like in 2021. We have, 
a tour booked to Saskatchewan next fall that should have been this past fall. We have a standing invitation to go back to Japan. We were in the process of developing a new show with the with a symphony orchestra in Japan that was also called off through all of this. So more of the same. We're actually in the process of just last Sunday, we started uh, rehearsing the newest track, um, which is going to be on the follow-up guest sessions, volume two. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. You'll have to come back on and tell us all about that uh, when that is ready. What is bliss for Aaron Jensen? Oh my goodness. Um, I think just continuing on with the theme that you were discussing, it is uh, challenging yourself and contributing to something that is greater than you with people that you love. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite answers I've ever heard. Uh, what, what is bliss? And I know I've asked you this before, Haley, <laughs> as a solo artist, but what is bliss for Haley Preziosi when it comes to countermeasure? Oh boy, I can I take Aaron's answer? <laughs> what is bliss when it comes to me for countermeasure? Uh well, that would be honestly a similar answer. Being part of something greater than yourself. Um I guess the the um that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. We're gonna go on a short break when we come back. One more song, the song I've been the most excited to play because it fits in so well with the theme of our show, Finding Your Bliss. Back in a moment after this short break. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility centre. We are back and I'm here with artistic director Aaron Jensen and group member and singer Haley Preziosi. We're talking about this groundbreaking acapella group countermeasure. And to close out the show, I just wanted to hear one last track, Want to Make You Happy, on their album, their third album, Guest Sessions. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about this song. I know the instrumentalist on the track was Christian Huberge, and he plays the guitar in it. What inspired you to write Want to Make You Happy? Well, first and foremost, uh, so I, I first became uh, familiar with Christian's intense and incredible talent. Uh, he used to be part of a group called the Lost Fingers, uh, platinum-selling uh, Quebecois, Django Reinhardt-inspired jazz group. I remember hearing them on CBC. I remember seeing them live when I first moved to Toronto, and they just absolutely blew me away. And so he was one of the first people that I reached out to. And so this song is very much in the wheelhouse of that uh of that aesthetic. And it, when we are able to perform live again, this is going to function as a bit of an introduction song to the group as a, a bit of a rules of engagement with the audience and, and our desire <laughs> to, to, to please and to entertain and to, and to make them happy. Wow. That's fantastic. Let's have a listen to want to make you happy. Happy. It's not for one of validation. 
celebration or applause. I'm just so glad that you're here. Go on, keep your phone on, it's fine by me. The odds are one and twelve, your ringer's in the right key. And if the song we're singing clashes with your custom ringer, we'll gladly go the extra mile and modulate the singer. Cause we're here for you and we're eager to please. That does that song really does make you happy. And when I first heard it, I almost thought that it had some. I don't. It just felt Greek inspired, a little bit of klezmer. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me a little bit of my honeymoon with my husband. Oh, yeah. Dasterini, Greece. And, uh, it just, it's just so feel good and so great. I can't wait to see you guys perform this live when this is all over. What is the best way for people to get this album and follow you on social media? So countermeasuremusic.com is your is your space to find us. You can find us on Instagram at countermeasure music. You can find us on Facebook, countermeasure music, Twitter, YouTube. You can see some of your videos yes. that are getting like yes. half a million views. <laughs> like, you know, and after yeah, this that. show, it'll be a million. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it, it's so fantastic. And to get the album, to get the newest album or the other two albums, how can people get the album? Easiest for a physical album is to reach out to us through the website, countermeasuremusic.com. But all of our albums are available across all platforms as well, across Spotify and Amazon and iTunes, etc. YouTube if, music, all that. All yeah. that. Awesome. I, I want to thank you, Aaron Jensen and Haley Preziosi for being here today. It's been truly delightful. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. My pleasure. Thanks, Judy. It was great. So great. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit us at Finding Your Bliss magazine. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. In Bliss News, we are excited to announce that Countermeasure has just released the video for Hold On, the first single off their concept album, Guest Sessions. The track features award-winning Toronto-based vibraphonist Michael Davidson. We're so excited to see the video, which just dropped yesterday, and you can see it too on YouTube or go to countermeasuremusic.com. I would like to thank my guests, Aaron Jensen and Haley Preziosi, for being here today. Also, a big thank you to everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. This show has been recorded by Squadcast. We're going to close out the show today with a short quote by legendary composer and lyricist Stephen Sondheim. And here it is. If I cannot fly, let me sing. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Lee Brack reminding you all to sing and take one step closer to finding your bliss. 
Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.